Right, it's the TIFO Football Podcast. Hello, this is your intro telling you what we are talking about today. Seb is here. Hi, Joy. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I wasn't paying attention, but I am now. That's fine. Um, okay, we had Roshane Thomason today from The Athletic, who is one of The Athletic's West Ham correspondents, stroke it's writers. The Athletic's, the Athletic's West Ham correspondent. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy to go to for West Ham-related uh, topics of conversation, which was useful today because that was the entire conversation. Uh, so what did we cover? We covered ownership. We covered 10 years since the ownership we covered uh, the team. We covered... What did we cover? You'll make it sound better than I'm making it sound. <laughs> ten years of the ownership. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, ten years since the beginning yeah, we of just, the ownership. I, I feel like we did a, a pretty complete job. I mean, um, obviously... Um, well, don't pat yourself on the back too much. Let's just... No, I, I felt like Roshane did a really good job. Mm. I mean, um, we just, we just kind of went along with what he was going with. Uh, I think, um, obviously, West Ham being in the news cycle at the moment, we started with the ownership, which is kind of the, the relationship between the fans and the ownership and this sort of growing tension which is developed. Because obviously like it felt like um like when when the um when the, the anniversary of their decade in charge came round, it felt like that stirred up quite a lot of things in people. Yeah. As if people kind of it was a it was a way of measuring um the the stasis and the inertia, however you want to put it. Um so yeah. Um, that was the starting point. We did everything. We did the team and yeah. you know, Moyes as well. Sebella as well. We did as well. Very yeah, exciting. Yeah. Michael Antonio. Yeah. Okay. I think that was it, wasn't it? Well, anyway, uh, that's today's episode. Thank you for uh, downloading it. I do hope you enjoy it. Let me first tell you that if you would like to uh, check out The Athletic, who are kindly uh, the sponsors of today's episode, you can visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO and get uh, 50% off an annual subscription after a seven-day free trial. That's 8p a day. And if you're a West Ham fan, uh, I think it's very worthwhile. Seb and I were going through a lot of the coverage over the last few weeks before today's podcast, and um, Rush's writing is very in-depth and uh, covers all the areas that you would um, presumably like to be reading about. Uh, so uh, go and check it out. You've got seven days to have a read of it first. If you like it, stick around. It's super cheap, and it is fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, your yawning is I've unrelated. Had a long I, no, the, the prospect yeah. of the free trial is exciting. I'm yeah. just I'm, you're yeah. just tired as a person. I'm just tired as a person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, here's today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. I am Joe Devine, and today I am joined by Seb. Hi, Joe. Hello, Seb. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. And Seb and I are delighted to be joined by Roshane Thomas. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you Pleasure doing, man? Well, well, I was fine, but not after that uh, draw against Brighton on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Roshane is the uh, West Ham correspondent for The Athletic, and you're here today to talk to us all about West Ham. Indeed. It's very exciting, isn't it? 100%. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Seb, where's, where's the best place to start? You, we were talking beforehand and you were mentioning that uh, there were some protests about a week ago. So, it's coming out on Tuesday, but we're recording on a Monday. So, yesterday I was, uh, I was doing Tottenham against Man City and on my way to the ground I saw sort of um, footage of, the, of the, the clip that Sky Sports um, recorded just before Sunday Supplement where they issued an apology to... West Ham. It's honestly one of the strangest bits of television I've ever seen. I think I retweeted it. So if you want to go to my Twitter profile and have a look at it, or find Miguel Delaney's, he's, he he put it out there. But it's one of the in, in tone. It's bizarre. 
Um, they they helped script it, right? I was reading. Uh, I have no idea. So I read the Daily Mail piece on it, and apparently there was uh, in-depth negotiations over the weekend between West Ham and Sky, and that part of those negotiations was um, the the club actually helped to script what he was going to say as part of his apology, which which uh, explains why they were so keen to talk about the massive investment put into the club uh, by West Ham and how everything's. yeah, it's absolutely fine. I, I think I think why I struggle, Joe, is because I I I know the size of entity that we're talking about with Sky Sports. Yeah, um, and I also know that sort of the nature of the program Sunday supplement. So so for um, for viewers who are not in the UK, it's like a Sunday morning um, sort of round table with with senior journalists, and they just talk about they just cycle through the the football issues of the of the week. Um, and if you also eat a croissant every now and then. Yeah, but this is the thing. I, I like, when, when, I, when I start to know people that go on, I just think, why do you never see anyone actually yeah. eating one? Like you see all those plates, and it's like a half-eaten muffin and, and, and sort of an orange juice. But yeah. I, I don't believe that all of that food is real. Like a sort of... Yeah. Stage food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's made of wax or something. Someone occasionally bites into a plastic apple. Yeah, yeah and then the camera catches them with half a croissant and sure. half a pan of chocolate or something. That's actually not a bad metaphor for a Sunday supplement. Maybe, but... I think what I found strange is because um, I'd watched the previous week's episode in which um, three journalists sort of had quite a lot to say about the running of West Ham and, and it, it, we, we were up to the sort of the, the 10 year anniversary of David Gold, David Sullivan mm. uh, and their takeover and also Karen Brady being at the club and it was, I mean some of the criticism was fierce but it wasn't... Well the Mail said that specifically the thing that upset them, the club the most was the comment from one of the, I can't remember which guest it was but the comment was uh, it, it, apparently it in reference to players uh, but it was ambiguous as to whether they meant players or, yeah. or owners or directors yeah. with the their phrase. hands in Don't the till the quotes hands yeah. in the till okay. uh, the, the, the Sky said that what they meant by that was that players were earning a lot of money when they shouldn't be but obviously that's quite uh, easy to misunderstand yeah. uh, it sounds almost like they're alleging that there's uh, some theft going on <laughs> okay well what's I segue us quickly away from this like, next week we'll be apologising yeah. well no yeah. the reason I thought we start with this is because um, Rosh a couple of weeks ago um, he I can't remember which game it was before it was prior to the uh, Everton game so prior to the Everton game he recorded like a, a fan protest mm. because what happened with the Sunday supplement thing seems to be like a naturally, natural lead on from a lot of dissatisfaction among the fan base yep. um, which obviously manifesting in the grounds but on blogs and you know on the internet everywhere like um it would just be interesting to start by just sort of tracing that back. So what was the, what was the nature of the protest? Well, the nature of the protest, like, fans are just frustrated of what Braid, Gordon, Sullivan have done during the past 10 years. Yeah. I mean, the whole stadium was about West Ham competing next level, trying to get to Europe, you know, happy times, but yeah. it's been the complete opposite of that. If you look at where West Ham are on the table right now, fans are like, well, we'd like to start Upton Park, we'd like to start on the stadium, so where's the difference? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even like, when I speak to fans, fans are like, this will build on. Like, we will get momentum from this. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying there's going to be another protest uh, February 29th. Okay. So, I mean, even when I was there as well, I made sure I was broadcasting live on Twitter or stuff. Like, yeah, I was watching yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people could see what was going on. Cause I didn't want to do like 10 second videos here yeah. and there. Like people should see what's actually taking place. And I mean, yeah, fans are just frustrated. There lo- loads of banners with some distasteful comments, which I won't say, <laughs> say now, but... But it's kind of, it's out of frustration. Yeah. Though. Like, it's also, <clears throat> I'm a Tottenham fan, so I can kind of sneer at what's happening with them a little bit. Like, it doesn't, doesn't sadden me. But on a, on a more serious note, like, it's, it's, it's interesting because the premise for, for. So sorry. Just, just carry on. I'm sure it'll be fine. 
I can barely hear you, but okay. So the, the premise for leaving Upton Park in the first place is this kind of this new era of, yeah. of, of being, new era of being competitive. And it's kind of, given what the London Stadium is, it's an incredible price to pay for just ultimately being in the same position. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this is the thing. I read, I read your piece uh, alongside Ollie Kay yeah, in The Athletic. Okay. And uh, you mentioned this at the beginning, that obviously after all of the promises and after uh, yeah. moving to the new stadium, uh, West Ham find themselves in the same yeah. league position yeah. uh, 10 years later than, than, than when the two Davids took over in yeah. the first place. I suppose the interesting thing for me, as an outsider thinking about the problems at West Ham, they all centre around the stadium, right? Yeah. And it's more uh, less about the financial situation there because it's difficult to make an argument against that. I mean, the government got such a bad deal as it relates to that that West Ham seems to be, you know, running away laughing there. So it's less yeah. about the, the financial side of it and it's more about the community side of it. And I yeah. think, if I'm right, is it that the issue kind of hinges on the fact that certain promises were made yeah. to people uh, that, okay, we're going to sacrifice our home here, but we're going to do that and we're going to get this. Yeah. And that's going to be challenging for Europe. That's going to be younger, better players. Yeah. That's going to be better football. Presumably that's what people are upset about because it's not that West Ham have no money. Right? Yeah, yeah that, that was the selling point, the whole mantra at the time. And it's, as again, it's been the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm right in saying gold at the time said, you know, we're going to try and you know do much better in cut competitions. And that has not been the case. No, right, I mean, yeah. West Ham, it's been a regular theme for West Ham to get knocked out early in cups against lower opposition teams as well. So that's been a concern. Again, league position, it's not promising. Signings, I mean, in defence of the board, there has been a few like, signings that have been invested in the team, but it hasn't been the right personnel. Right. And one of West Ham's biggest problems is like the defending, which we saw on Saturday. There's been hardly any money invested in defence, barring Issa Diop and perhaps Arthur Masawaki. Right. If you look at that team, it's been Fredericks free signing, uh, Zabaleta free signing, Cresswell, a few million went into the championship. Balbuena a couple of million yeah, five, five a couple, or something like that Balbuena a couple of million yeah. Mm, yeah. I went to read good defender but I mean what 10 years ago yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's been West Ham's like Achilles Hill so to speak and mm. fans are like yeah we can sign flair players like Anderson you know the four hours of as well but we're good going forward but when it comes to defending like yeah. that's why that's why we're so far down the table actually that's a really good point because also like I, I don't have a goalkeeper there because Fabianski's worked out really well and he's, yeah. his form's been great when he's been fit he's been terrific but I mean that's kind of lucky yeah. I mean there's so little money spent on him um, and if you look at the other goalkeepers that they've had recently Adrian originally I want to say was a free transfer when he came to the club I think I'm saying, yep. Joe Hart was on loan yep. Roberto <laughs> <laughs> what, a time. What, what, what a spectacle oh Roberto. my goodness Roberto that, that was something else I mean I'll never forget the game where he punched the ball into his own net for Burnley match that was just something else just, and you know what very quickly when David Martin made his debut at Chelsea like fans were like yeah. so happy every time yeah. David Martin made a save fans were mm. going crazy mm. like that's why yeah. the chant oh we have a chance Martin's on goal that's how the whole chant came about because fans <laughs> were like yes it's actually I mean it's it's funny because I I I not actually really noticed that pattern, but you, you see the kind of you see the profile of player that yeah. um, that the club seem willing to invest in because the the whole the the whole crux of, of sort of West Ham's response to Sky's coverage has been to to kind of lift their spend uh, to um to list their spending patterns and to to indicate that you know we have ambition I, and I don't disagree with yeah. that they, they they obviously do have ambition um but it's kind of it's ambition on certain terms mm. it's like a like a Fornals is when you mentioned and I think I, I watched Fornals when he played for Villarreal and I thought that's a really good yeah. player but there's a difference between having a really good player and having a really good player who you need to go into your team yeah. sometimes your answer is just to you know 
uh, to to stuff the middle of your midfield and defence with a couple of bastards for five million pounds. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes sometimes the flair player that can yeah. do the drag backs and the cross turns is not. Yeah. It's true. And if you look at like West Ham's like chat record and like getting good signings in, it's like the Cresswells, yeah. you know, Ventonio's players from the championship who are like hungry and want to like do well for the team and grow. They've been mm. the good signers. I mean, West Ham released their um, accounts last week and we saw like Renette spend, I think it was like 240 million and there's been hardly like any like uh, money gained from sending players. Yeah. And that's down again to bad recruitment. I mean, the good signings have been like Analtovich, the Pirates. I mean, they did come with their baggage, but they were good signings. But again, they came with their baggage. Mm -hmm. Like the Antonios, apart from, you know, dressed up as a snowman and crashing his ankle. There's no there's no other baggage there. Mm. Cresswell's been great, obviously he's not the same player he was when he played for England, but he's been a good seller for yeah, good professional. Yeah. He's, 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 he's never gonna be the 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 the, 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 the source of a bad story. Exactly. Is he? Mm. And that's why I'm always saying his press conference recently, listen, like Right now, we need to we need to change our whole like philosophy with transfers. Stop bringing in players on, on like a lot of money on big salary. who are not going to work for this team. Let's mm. go back and get like players like Boren who want a point to prove. I mean, no yeah. one, was, no, well, people, were, clubs were interested in signing Boren, but no one really invested. Yeah, like West Ham, for example. So like stuff like that is what. Who's in charge? Is it the managers at West Ham who are in charge of transfers? Well, it's more so, more so, more so Sullivan who right. uh, tends to do, tends to do most of the um, signings. Right. Okay. And there's there's a really good column uh, Danny Taylor wrote about two weeks ago. Really good. And column. he said like one of the biggest reasons why Man United still haven't appointed a director of football is that Ed Ed Woodward still has that thrill of like closing deals. Right. And in my opinion, I feel like a lot of West Ham fans agree. The same thing applies to Sullivan. Completely agree. Right. Okay. There's that thrill of always completing a deal, saying, "Yeah, I'm that guy." This is one of this is one of my favorite topics because it winds me up now, and it, it's it's the it's the curse of the hobbyist sporting director. So you get people that have been very, very successful in business who think because it's football, it's easy. Mm. And that you don't need a very specific skill set to to be essentially a sporting director. You like a lot of people think equate a sporting director with being, oh, you know, just look at find a player. And right. then and most people that watch the game think, Yeah, I know I know what a good player looks like. Mm -hmm. But do you know what a good player looks like in relation to what your team needs? Do you understand um uh, analysis properly can you um, can you head a department for which there is mm -hmm. a conditioning requirement do you is have that, sufficient context to understand about the yeah. person and their family do you have the background? qualifications yeah. Joe like it's yeah. like it's like anything <laughs> <laughs> have you done any learning <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah but have you have you have you, have you so um, we were just standing on with the podcast we recorded this morning actually but if this was a, if you treat a football club as, as a like a FTSE 100 company which they should be given their size and given their turnovers and given the sums of money for the deal with if you had a department within that company that was sort of that existed on the mentality of yeah have a go at that mm -hmm, i know yeah. you haven't done anything but how yeah. hard can it be yeah. no one would forgive that yeah. and football clubs deserve that scrutiny and i'm um, this is not aimed at west ham because daniel levy has been has occasionally right. in the past done it at spurs he's kind of lost faith the director of football model although he's just appointed bad directors of football but Edward Wood is the the most the yeah. most common example. I think I think Rush is right. I think I think the great thrill of being, I think Woodward's greatest uh, problem is the thrill of being the big man. Mm -hmm. yeah. The kind of like I'll do the Pogba deal. Right. I'll do the Fernandez deal. It, it, it's that, and it's kind of they like the public public profile. Yeah, I, I don't look. I, I don't pretend it's not incredibly seductive. I can't promise that in the same situation. I wouldn't be exactly the I same. I'm probably, I probably would. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'd probably manage the team. Just, yeah. just out of the ego. That would, I, would, I would be <laughs> play up front. Right? Yeah. Curry's yeah. the most terrible yeah. megalomania. Yeah. Yeah. But the point being is that yeah. I've always felt that that's kind of the source of the issue. It's why, like, for instance, 
that you see players like Andre Yarmolenko coming in at West Ham, you think West Ham, West Ham, the last club in Europe to know that Yarmolenko's finished. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I loved him. Like, but Yarmolenko should have been coming to this country ten years ago. Yeah, because he was a super player. But you know, there's a reason why he bombed out of Dortmund so quickly, and there's a yeah. reason why they're willing to let him go. And yeah. And, yeah. and that's kind of good player though. He kind of remains. This is kind of the evidence yeah. for it. Sadly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I spoke to a Ukrainian journalist not long, about a couple of weeks ago, and he's same same thing you said. Like. He left it way too late yeah, to leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was Dynamo Kiev. Dynamo Kiev mm. yeah. Left it way too late. And now yeah. we've seen him. I think it's twenty eight. Rush. Yeah, I think it's like really, really late. Given the, and obviously been injury prone. Was injury prone at Dortmund. Been injury prone at West Ham. But just to go back to your earlier point, if I'm Sullivan, I'm looking at Brentford. Yeah. I'm saying whoever's like signing those players and get a lot of money on resale value, I'm appointing the right guy at yeah. director of football. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you look at their model and the amount of money they've been able to recoup over the years, like DeAndre Gray's, we have a pro- promising player right now called Ollie Watkins. Like, mm, yeah, if you look yeah. at what they're doing... And Rama's another one, yeah. he's probably, yeah. And there's the guy at Brighton, the striker, you name I can't pronounce. Um, oh, Neil. Oh, um, uh, Neil Marpa. Yeah, that's yeah, the guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good player, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at that guy thinking, yep, yeah, come over to West Ham. Mm. You know, it's good. funny. We had um, uh, we had uh, Nikos Overhul in here. He's uh, he works at Stats Bomb, yeah. uh, who I think were heavily involved in the Brentford projects initially. Maybe West Ham should just call them yeah. and uh, <laughs> invite some uh, again, professionals, <laughs> yeah. qualified professionals. Yeah, in. You know, the answer is like the, the answer. The answer to this question, this problem is never is it, is it, is to build a department. Yeah, it's not to find a guru. It's not to go sort of all Everton and say, right, Steve Walsh, you're my guy. Yeah. You have this kind of, because no one has all the answers for transfers, you know, it, that, and that applies equally to traditional scouts or, or sort of modern analyst types yeah. who, yeah. Um, you know, the, the kind of the, the stats more mobile. But think, to, think about Liverpool, right? I mean, like, I know people probably know the name of FSG, but how yeah. many people, just general football fans, actually know the names of the two guys who own Liverpool? Probably yeah. not that many because they're yeah. not in the news very often yeah. because they have... Exactly as you're describing, a department which deals with that. Are there, uh, uh, with the exception of the manager, uh, how many people know the specific names of the people who run the transfer committee? Or I, I, well, I suppose Michael Edwards has become quite well known just sure. because he's been so successful. Yeah, um, and because, but not because he writes a column in the Sun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it's kind of. I, I suppose that's always been a little bit of the culture too. Yeah. Is that you can't. Like if you look around at how successful clubs function, it's usually in a in a little bit of a vacuum. You don't hear very much from chairman at most clubs yeah. or chief executives, and yet you, you, there's always been a lot of noise with West Ham. And I feel yeah. like I feel like if um, if I was a West Ham fan, that probably antagonised yeah. me. And you know what? In the build up to the Everton game, Brady spoke to Sky News, Gold's interview with Talksport, and Sullivan interview with Even Standard. Mm. And when fans read those interviews, they're like like we haven't found anything new that like we don't know already sort of thing. Yeah. We yeah. spoke about the work in the community and like fairness of them, they do a lot of work in the community like Bray, Gold, uh, Sullivan, but fans are like, we know that already. Like talk to us about what's going on in the pitch, like how yeah. we go address these issues. And that's another reason behind the protest as well. And like, for example, yeah. when Karen, Karen Brady wrote a column about like Pellegrini having the, um, uh, what is it again? Pellegrini having, uh, like he's the man like the door of pressure, for example, like, that's what, that's what she wrote in her column. Okay. And about a month later, Pellegrini was sacked. Mm. So fans are like... That's very confusing, yeah, like, right? What's, what's happening? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Either yeah. she's lying or they're making decisions quite late. Yeah. Well, no, but it, it, it's even simpler than that. It's what is the need for that? Yeah. What is the need for that information to become public? It's like, it's like when West Ham went through that phase of, of, um, of, of, the, uh, of, of David Sullivan's son. 
tweeting out stuff yeah. on, on Twitter. Like, I, I understand what's happening. I also understand a father loves his son. Is this the guy we looked at the pictures on? No, that's, 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 that's David Gold's son. So Jack Sullivan, Jack Sullivan. Um, was tweeting out. Look, I, I understand that if your dad owns a football club and you're a teenager, you would do yeah. that. Yeah. I would do that, you know, as a 16 year old or however yeah. it was. I would do that. And I'm not criticizing someone for allowing no, we like, their son to. That's going to be very difficult to say no to. I get of that. Course. But from yeah. a supporter's perspective, that is not how I want my club to run. Yeah. And you've also got like ex West Ham employee yeah. running around spilling team news. Yeah. It's do we it's, assume that they, that it's a strategy then? Because uh, you know, as Ross says, if the three of them uh, have uh, separate interviews in the in the lead up to a game, which is not by coincidence, is it? It's not their individual yeah. offices that have set this up, and it's, it just happens that yeah. three different media outlets are getting the three different uh, directors stroke owners. Yeah. I mean, presumably there's some kind of media strategy behind it. What could be their thinking as to why they want to involve themselves so? Publicly, I know at the beginning they tried the. This is uh, our our home. We've come yeah. home. This is our football club. This isn't a business. Yeah. We haven't bought it to make money. And that's true. We're one yeah. of you, and that is true, that is right? True. Yeah. Um, but that that is also significant because it, it suggests a, a particular manner of approaching a project, right? Where their faces are attached to it because yeah. they are also fans. What's the question? I'm yeah. saying <laughs> ten years. This is ten years. He's been talking for a long time, but he's put question marks somewhere. Like, <laughs> ten years later, right? See how serious still, his face has got there. Yeah. Criticise him. <laughs> ten years later, that the three of them then have their three interviews ahead of a game, yeah. uh, and they presumably haven't learned the lesson that maybe it's yeah. best for them not to be in yeah. uh, so public with this. Yeah. It must be a strategy. They must be thinking through it and doing it on purpose. Is the question is why? I, I this is a theory. In, in, is, I'm, I'm guessing. I've always felt there's a little bit too much personal pride, right? Like, because I, I, I actually, um, I believe that they they want the best for the club. I believe that they want to succeed. Sure, I completely believe it. And I, you know, um, David Gold is a childhood West Ham fan. I, I completely understand he wants the very yeah. best for the football club. But I feel like sometimes. Um, that there's, it's a little bit, the club can be a little bit too hands-on in its attempts to um, try to correct the narrative and the correct story around them. And I, I, I would say that before this weekend. I don't, I'm not really referencing that. It's just a very extreme example, but I've always yeah. felt like it's sort of, if something goes wrong, then there's, there's, there's too much compulsion to kind of put it right manually rather than mm. let sort of, um, you know, let events on the pitch or let a, a good signing or yeah. a good couple of results or a really good few months of results or a, you know, a strong mid-table finish, for instance. That's the most powerful PR tool there is. There's yeah. nothing like that. Yeah. Um, whereas doing a column, I don't know, because if, if things aren't going well, you can write whatever you like in the column yeah. and it can make as much sense you want, but someone's going to pick it apart because yeah. people read things in the way they want to read it. In the same way that they watch YouTube videos or they see what they want to see and yeah. that's the same and I, I feel like you're kind of making yourself very vulnerable by doing that yeah. I don't know no I agree because if you like kind of like the comments whenever Brady tweets a column it's always negative yeah. well mostly it's always yeah most parts of it's negative yeah. mm. but I feel like with Brady she's always going to be in the spotlight because obviously she does like a lot of speaking events up the apprentice for example and obviously the column as you mentioned and I feel like Sullivan as well I feel like he's passed it down to his son because his son had that documentary on the women's team. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it was for the I had that for the water, but I totally read it. Like, yeah. What is it? So, yep. you do uh, it. Youngest boss, football's youngest boss, I think it was called. Oh, I haven't seen it. UK's youngest football. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. If you like, I'm getting older, so I'm, I'll go to the stage of my life where like, I can no longer stay awake throughout the whole of match of the day necessarily. So right. sometimes, so I, I, months ago I was watching it and I fell asleep and I woke up and 
this was on because it used to be on BBC immediately after Match of the Day. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon just go and watch it. What's it called? It's called U- it, UK's Youngest Football yeah. Boss. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one. Right, okay. that's yeah. one yeah. So you're just like documenting like what he does on a day-to-day basis for the women's team. Do you know what it's like? It was a good documentary because it highlights that give the women's team a bit of exposure. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did you, you end up feeling like, I want to I wanna, I wanna learn more about the players? Yeah, of course, of course. There's a lot, there's a lot of Jack Sullivan in, yeah. <laughs> in that programme. It's like, right. it's a programme about him and what he does. And, yeah. and But it's kind of, the real story is this sort of, this, this, it's like a, you know, it's a newly built women's team. Yeah. Newly launched and it's kind of, it's going on its journey and the team is full of these, these really interesting characters and the players and the coach who bit sweary for my taste but interesting guy yeah. um and and uh, and i don't know like i to be fair i only gave it two episodes uh-huh. um i have tut, not tut. watched yeah tut, I know, tut, tut. I don't, i'm not giving <laughs> i'm not giving a complete account of what it right. is maybe i'm definitely going to watch three. this now yeah, yeah. yeah. i watch the whole thing so i, I suggest anyone like if you're in the UK, it's, I, I think it's probably on the iPlayer still. Yeah, right. or YouTube. Okay. Or you, yeah, better spend it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought so. Some yeah. choice clips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, it, no, cause I was going to say, like, it was a season where, I forgot what I saying, when the women's team reached the FA Cup final against Man City. Yeah. So it was good. It was good that aspect. Yeah. Gave them exposure. I mean, there's a lot of good players on the women's team. Right. Obviously, they suffered a heavy defeat yesterday. But yeah, a lot of good players. Okay. But I was going to say very quickly, when I spoke to um, Joey O'Brien recently about, like, you know, what's it like... Uh, you know, playing under the board. He said David Gold in particular tends to be at the training ground a lot. Right. Like just to give that. the players a few motivational speeches like, come on guys, you know, big game, let's try our best sort of thing. Right. So of the, of the three, like, he does a lot at the That's training ground. He's yeah. a genuine fan. Yeah, yeah. Like he, no, sure. Like in the- hey, 442 Green Street, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> his home address. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember because it says it's four four two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy. That to, might mean something to different to a modern audience, though. That's that's all. Sure. Yeah. Sure, a film about up. violence, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. with uh, an American. No, I mean it's 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 a the documentary is well meaning. Mm-hmm. I just feel like sometimes maybe it could have done with a bit of an edit, right, here and there, okay. like a kind of like a a redirection. But uh, people should watch it. And, uh, Sounds like you're challenging stuff. the license fee. Yeah. Are you so the, putting down a political point here? Is this the point where I go off on a on a big round of it? No, it sounds no, like no, no, no. You but, know what? A porn star actually became a fan of first time due to that as a film. result of that. But yeah. <laughs> So don't, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say her name in case you're not under 18 under 18 viewers watch the podcast you know what I mean so. <laughs> we are a family friendly yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed we don't even yeah. really know what Rush means by porn star so yeah. I wouldn't have thought that would be the reason that a porn star would have become a fan of West Ham I would have been uh, the history of uh, David Golden Sullivan but never mind presumably right you've been to the stadium loads now yeah can you tell me about it and your experience of being there because we hear a lot of I've not been but yeah. you know I hear a lot of negativity about yeah. it yeah I mean like, a lot of West Ham fans will agree like London Stadium will, ne- will never be home it will never be Upton Park right I mean it's great in terms of like a lot of fans 60,000 seat stadium there's been a rise in demand for season tickets it's been great in terms of like commercial events for example I think it was last summer where they held uh, the baseball event so stuff like oh, yeah, that yeah. stuff like yeah. that has been good yeah. but in terms of like you know the, the cool like beneath all the cracks it's not home for West Ham fans mm. it doesn't feel like home when you're there I mean, right and does it, does it feel like everyone's experiencing that as well can yeah, you, I mean, you can hear it in the stadium yeah, I mean the first, the, the first like what 10 no the first like 5 minutes is good like fans singing you know blowing bubbles singing a lot of songs mm. and after that it dies down for a bit and then I like, West Ham score that's mm. when it all picks up a little bit and then it dies down again right so because I was at um, like an event recently and um, a former player said he believes 
away for away teams like five playing at the Lund Stadium because they know fans are not really happy being happy like being right. on the ground. And I thought that's the case because this season in particular, I think I'm right to say in West Ham I've only won like three or four times at London Stadium. It's not a fortress like Upton Park used to be. Upton Park used to be so intimidating because it's so small, you know, close to the pitch. Yeah. Especially the away ends. I used to, like, I went to, uh, I did, I went as uh, an away fan to the last Tottenham West Ham game at Upton Park and I used to hate it though. Yeah. Mm. Hated going there and that's a compliment because that's what you wanted. It was so cramped and so shit and just, and also it was just, it was louder. Yeah. Um, And it was, I, I don't know, it was kind of, it felt like even, even things like, not just the stadium, but the walk to the stadium from the tube. Mm. Everything about that felt very West Ham. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the sense that, like, you know, football clubs used to be, football stadiums used to be built in the heart of communities. Like, they'd just been dropped in the middle <laughs> yeah. of terrace houses. Yeah. yeah. Upton Park was like that. Yeah. Um, to the point of that, like, narrow alley you had to go around to get to the away end back then. Yeah. And it's like. Now you can pop to Westfield on the way home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've I got, got a few um, West Ham sporting friends who who recently given up their season tickets. Um, and one of the things they said, um, which is interesting, which I hadn't even considered, is like when you when you when you go there, when you walk past Westfield and you go into it, like there's none of the stuff that you associate with football grounds. You don't get like concessions. You don't get sort of places which sell scarves and okay stuff that you might not um, stop at, but they're part of your little routine. Yeah. Like mm. if you if you go to um, you know most clubs, and most fans will recognise this. There are little landmarks, temporary yeah. landmarks, which appear on match days. Yeah. Um, and by accounts, I don't know if this is no. true because I, I haven't been for a couple of years now to, to London Stadium, but um, that's just not the case. Yeah, I mean, for example, from 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 when I arrive at Stratford Station to where I get my accreditation, it takes a good twenty minutes. Yeah, because you have to pass through security. Do you still have to go to that tent outside? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Still have to go yeah. through that tent as well. It takes ages. Yeah, <laughs> it takes ages. But there's like there's a, there's like a little uh, a few like stalls, food, food stalls. So fans like that because you know different options for like what to pick and what not. Yeah. If you were to ask like most West Ham fans, they'll say the cons outweigh the pros yeah. in terms of being there. Because I remember Upton Park, you had the Bowling Chavin pub. And that was like a go-to place before games. Like even if you don't drink, you'll just go there for the atmosphere and just mm. go there for the vibe. It was that good. Yeah. And I remember, I think it was after the uh, Watford game last August. I thought, let me just go to the pub this on a Sunday and see, see how fans are. I was there for about a good three hours. A lot of fans are like, I'm finishing West Ham. Like, don't even want to go back. Really? I've, some haven't even been since the uh, demolished Upton Park. Mm. But yeah, that's what really, I found, they yeah. didn't even. They didn't even. Yeah, been. like one told me he was a scene ticket at Upton Park. Thought I'm not going. He back. didn't even extend yeah. it to New Salem. Didn't at even all. extend it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. Didn't extend it at all. So it's a block of flats now, right? Yes. Yeah. It is. And the uh, Chevron pub's been closed down for refurbishment. So right. they've suffered as a, as a result of stadium yeah. as well. That's always a contradiction, Rush, for me. Like I, I, I absolutely take the point about um, them increasing their work with the community, but it's. That's very difficult for, for, for me to accept given um, like how readily they moved out of the community. Because yeah. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I went to um, I went to where Highfield Road used to be in Coventry. And it's now this kind of, it's like a, it's not a housing estate, but it's like a housing community. Um, and there's a little plaque which marks where the centre circle used to be. But there's all these little places like a local park and a, um, like a news agent who... They, I went to talk to some of the people who worked there and they said we love the football because you yeah. always had this footfall around match days and, mm. and also they said 
Like when the football isn't here and when there isn't as much focus on the place, the council don't spend as, quite as much money maintaining the facilities. So like yeah. you go into the local park and there's litter everywhere and like the, the kids slide has been graffitied and, and there's sort of like broken bottles and stuff because yeah. it doesn't have the same scrutiny without the football. And while, while people think, oh, football is, you know, you don't want football fans, a problem. That's a very simplified view of, of yeah. the reality because yeah. a lot of these places depend on that, that, yeah. sort of, that, that human traffic. Yeah, true. And so I, 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 I know that they, they, they have extended their work in the community, but it's yeah. kind of, it's difficult to take when you've kind of said, oh, we don't, we don't want to be, we don't want to represent this community mm. anymore, which is a, it's a difficult thing. Yeah. That's yeah. All. And I forgot to, also forgot to mention, there was like a, a pie and mash store, I think it was called Nathan Ells, and they also closed down as well. Right. Due to the, um, excuse me, due to the club movement to London Stadium. So you know when you're a fan, there's, there's things you become in a regular habit of before you go to a match. Now yeah, if you go on a stadium, you might go to H&M if it's raining to get out a jacket or yeah. an umbrella. No, 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 no trip to football yeah. stadium. Should be, should be, yeah, should, you shouldn't go to prep when you're yeah. going to football. Like it's like, it, that's oh, come, a, on, come on now. Buy a no, but sandwich. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a lunch food, during a work so, day yeah. trip. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll have a you're nice showing suit. your middle class nature. Uh, <laughs> I freely admit to being a three, four times a week president of a glass-shaped building. They're, they're just they they do not have enough avocado. <laughs> you know, I bought food at another stadium the other, the other week. I think it was before the uh, Sheffield United game. I was yeah. I was just really hungry. Sushi. Yeah. I bought a hot dog. Right, yeah. it cost me nine pound. <gasps> But what did it come with? Like anything or was it just No, just the hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> was it good? It was okay, but not worth nine pounds. You know what I mean? That's, that's taking the wind out of myself. A nine quid hot dog. Nine hot dog. We take a quick pause in today's episode for me to ask you if you like beer. Yes, if the answer is yes. Do you like free beer? Yes. Yes, the answer will also be yes to the second one, presumably if the answer was yes to the first one. Well, hey, thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from all around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash TIFO and cover just the postage of £4.95. you got to pay the postman, obviously. Uh, and as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of TIFO, you'll get two extra free beers. So that 8 plus 10 equals 2. Hmm? Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth ever has to offer. Not ever, just has to offer. Just having some beer there. Oh, that's very nice. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a different case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. So go to beer52.com forward slash TIFO and get your case free. And don't forget... TIFO listeners get two extra free beers. That's 10 in total. That is beer52.com forward slash TIFO. Terms and conditions are this one per household, new customers only, and you'll be part of a monthly subscription with no minimum commitment. So if you choose to stay, you will then be delivered 10 craft beers, ferment magazine, and a snack with free delivery for £29 the following month. But you can cancel at any time. Thank you for listening and to our support for today. And now back to the episode. I tell you what, I think I've said this uh, before on the podcast, but uh, a friend of the podcast, Mark Leach, football photographer, he told me once he was driving back from a family holiday in the north of England somewhere and they stopped off in uh, Stoke-on-Trent on the way back and Mark was wandering around uh, the streets looking for where the old stadium used to be. Mm-hmm. 
he's wandering down this little little road and uh, uh, an elderly woman comes out of her house and says are you, are you lost are you alright and he says no I was just looking for where the old stadium was and she pointed down the end of the road and said it used to, used to be right there and he got talking to her about it yeah. and uh, she was saying how uh, you know there used to be thugs walking down the road all the time <laughs> and police everywhere and horse poo and, and a brick through the window and he says oh you must be happy it's gone and she says no I really miss it yeah. <laughs> and it is even though and it's not you know she's not a business and she's not sort of massively yeah. adversely affected by it but I think uh, as you say when they're dropped into the middle of a community yeah. and they've been there for a very very long time yeah. it's difficult for, for places to become accustomed yeah. to that that disappearing and you know sure. it's it's not it's not quite as extreme as, but it's yeah. not dissimilar to old mining towns yeah, where sure. the mines are closed, right? I, I think what, what why Stoke's really interesting is because if you if you go to Stoke, it's now possible to go to the Britannia Stadium or Bet Three Six Five as it is, or I think it still is. Yeah, um, it's possible to go there without actually going to Stoke first. Yeah, yeah. you can get on the, you can get <laughs> yeah, you get sure. off the train and you just turn right. Yeah, and um and it's like, I think it's um, so something. Someone's yeah, collapsed around. Yeah. WWE going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's surrounded by like a harvester and a Volvo dealer, and it's, you know, if you walk there, you walk down a. It's actually a great walk down a, a canal with all sorts of sort of remnants of industry alongside. It. It's great, but mm. it's miles away from anywhere. Yeah, and you have to get there. You have to go down a dual carriageway, yeah. which is always kind of a bad sign. And like, I. I, I remember being told by a local there that sort of the the land where the old stadium used to be is kind of just wasteland now. They haven't really repurposed yeah. it properly. Right. So it's. Yeah. I can say, you know what? And the worst thing now for West Ham would be to have a 60,000 seat stadium and be in a championship. That would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, West Ham fans, they're, they're diehard fans, they'll back their team to the end. But I don't mm. think 60,000 fans have been attending a game in the championship. Probably 30 at best, maybe 35. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, on that note, let's talk about the football. Yeah. Uh, David Moyes is now in charge. Yeah. How do you feel that that's going so far? Yeah, I mean, I like Moyes. Moyes is really good, but I mean, it hasn't quite had the uh, desired effect on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, his first game in charge, the four went over Bournemouth. That was really good. Yeah, the team played well, but ever since then, it's, it hasn't been the same. I mean, that's been the only yeah. win since he's been back. A bit unlucky over the weekend against Brighton, though, right? It was unlucky, but I mean, it should have sort of, it should, yeah. <laughs> should have sort of off. I mean, but to be honest, it sounds really harsh, but I'm going to blame Masuaki for that. Right. Because prior to coming on, West Ham were comfortable. 3-1 win, fans were saying, yeah, three points, much needed three points, by the way, were, mm-hmm. were sorted. When Masuaki came on for Antonio, I think it was in the 71st minute, that's when he went downhill. Right. Two of, well, when Brighton scored two of their goals, it came from West Ham's right side, who defends West Ham's right side? Mm. Masuaku. Right. And if you look back at the highlights on YouTube, you'll see it. Like, not good enough defending. Yeah. yeah and the same yeah. thing happened against Arsenal last, last December. West Ham winning 1-0. Masuaku comes on for Cresswell in like 20 minutes. And Pepe Arsenal, does it yeah, a couple of times. Arsenal scored three goals yeah. in 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So these are things Moise has to consider moving forward right. because tough games are coming up. Man City next, Liverpool after that. Yeah, Southampton a really tough that. run, right? A tough, yeah. tough run. It's I mean, a strange sub to make though. Like Matt, he's a, I think he's a good attacking fullback. Yeah. But he's, I mean, like, that's a really weird conservative yeah. sub to make. Yeah. I mean, a, the thing with that is Antonio coming back from uh, hamstring injury, so he wasn't going to play the 490. Right. But I mean, still, you've got, you got to do your defensive duties if yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. look at where West Ham are in the league, you know what I mean? You can't be, can't be messing, up, messing about like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the shift from Pellegrini to Moyes seems on paper like a pretty significant one in terms yeah. of style. Do you feel like you're starting to see that in the way that the team are playing? Is it particularly yeah, I mean, different? At the start, Moyes is trying to play with wing backs. 
So like Masawaku and Zabaleta. So although I criticised Masawaku previously, I mean, he is mm. going good going forward. So if you are going to play wing-backs, it's better to get him, you know, playing in an advanced role. But even when Moyes tried to play like 3-5-2 or 3-5-1-1, it wasn't mm. really working. Right. It wasn't working at all. So he tried for, I, I believe he should do four, try 4-4-2. Four, four, Obviously now with Bowen and Jared Bowen here at the club now, I think you should play either Hallow and Tony up front or mm-hmm. Hallow and Bowen up front. Right. Because when West Ham play 4-4-2, I feel like West Ham are dangerous. Yeah. We saw it against Southampton in December as well with a 1-0 win, mm-hmm. play good. I mean, if you're going to play a striker up front, it can't be Hallow because... He's, Not by himself. But, yeah, for my, himself. In, my, in my opinion, he's, he's too lethargic to, to mm-hmm. play... Yeah up top by himself but it's also not what was brought out of the best yeah. in the Bundesliga I mean, right he was playing next yeah. to Jovic wasn't he so yeah. that's no, I, I think that's why like Antonio is so valuable yeah. like, I think he's actually one of the most underrated players in the league because mm. Antonio's a problem like he's, yeah. he's a good footballer but he's also like he's such a good athlete as he's well he's a runaway trainer isn't he yeah he's, that's pace that's pace yeah I mean when, he, when he's fit he's phenomenal he's um He's kind of actually as a as a, an opposition fan, he's the one name you don't want to see on that team sheet. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Which, true. Yeah, he's just um, the first time I met Roche actually was at um, was at the uh, West Ham Watford game um, earlier in the season, and Antonio was brilliant, yeah. and Haller played really well as a result of having Antonio yeah, yeah. around him. Yeah. Um, so you need to. Bo, I think Bowen could do it as well. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, twenty-two million pound, Jared Bowen is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, he's, he is a good player though. So. It's uh, scrappy yeah. and sort of like stylistically ugly, but he'll yeah. he'll do some good things. So I mean, I mean, we're a bit far from it now, but what happened with Pellegrini? Because that seemed so promising, didn't it initially? I mean, I remember two West Ham games I covered right at the beginning of the season were the Watford game and then um, Bournemouth away. And I remember leaving both thinking, yeah, West Ham have cracked this. Like they've got, they sort of, in both instances, they reacted to adversity and they showed the kind of spirit away from home that um, that uh, that you don't really associate with them. They're more of a, like historically in the sort of Premier League era, West Ham have been the kind of turn up against the big big teams on the sky cameras of their at home kind yeah. of side. Um, but then in those games, they were, they were great. And then I don't know. I mean, I, I just think... There were certain issues got exposed, so the sort of dependency on Antonio yep. sort of reared his head. Um, Hilaire is, I mean, I remember thinking when when, when they signed for 40 million quid. 45. 45, 45, that's <laughs> worse. Okay, so so you think... He was fantastic last season. Yeah, but, who, but who was he playing alongside last season? And sure. in, in, with the quality of the team yeah. that he was in. And sure. Like if you're playing alongside Jovic, yeah. nah, you know... <laughs> Like it's like, yeah, but, it, but it's like, it, it's like, it's the it's the Shevchenko Rebrov yeah, problem. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. you know, I remember growing up thinking, I've learned this lesson the hard way because you know when you and you hear, all right, Tottenham sign Rebrov, you think brilliant, and you think, in respect, of course they signed that one, you know, yeah, yeah. like, and it's it's that problem, and and I I don't know, and also I've been reading um like Russia's uh, coverage with you know Oli Kay and, and other people at the Athletic about sort of some of the noises that have come out of the dressing room some of the English players haven't you know loved the attitude of some of the players that have come in really well, apparently so well, th- yeah. this might be your bit man like, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't no I actually some f- feel like we haven't taken training seriously haven't given it their all and I mean vocally just go back on Pellegrini oh, there's one word which I'll sum up his spell uh, it was very stubborn a very very stubborn mm-hmm. man. Really mm-hmm. liked making changes. You know, West Ham fans would be like, "This is this is the problem, Mike. Please address it. Please make changes." Mm-hmm. Pellegrini wouldn't do it. Right. He wouldn't do it. It'd just be stubborn. Mm-hmm. Even uh, me as a press, like I'm asking fans questions on behalf of the fans, are trying to you know get some information on what's going on, how you're going to change it. Pellegrini wouldn't give you like he wouldn't really build that sort of relationship with you. Right. You can't. So you can't. You can't build a report. Yeah. You can't build a report with him. 
Right. Okay. It was a lot of frustrating as well from a media point of view. I remember once, right, I was running late for his press conference and I had to get an Uber. I spent £34 to get there. And it was probably the worst press conference I've ever been to. <laughs> it was so bad. I was thinking, did he just wear one of those Just really bad, like, just right. like you're asking questions. It's not even worth asking the follow up because the first question was, the first answer right. was terrible anyway. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, £35 spent coming to this press conference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I was just, yeah. Have you noticed the difference with David Moyes? Yeah, I mean, David Moyes, obviously, results haven't been great, but mm. he's definitely trying his best to get the players rallied up. And, well, him and, da- and Martin Noble, obviously, Martin Noble is always going to be influential, but right. he's definitely trying to get the key players to, like, say, come on, let's yeah. be together and, and get the best out of his bad situation. Because even David Moyes' press conference, like, each and every week to get better and better, because he's so good at what he says and he's determined to get the best out mm. of his bad situation. And I'm backing him. I think, I think he can do it, but it's going to be tough. Okay. That's the thing. Do you think, I mean, like, I wonder what this summer will be because I yeah. on, on, let's, let's assume let's assume that West Ham survive and they're yeah. in the Premier League next season. Like, w- w- what are the important things to do? Like, what's what, what's 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 day one of pre-season at West Ham? If Moyes is there, they're in the Premier League and they need to go forward. Yeah, we'll definitely get rid of Carlos Sanchez. Who made that decision? What, 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 what is it? Why would you look at Carlos Sanchez and, and think? You, yeah, you are what uh, I need in my football team. Like, uh, 33. I mean, the last time Carlos Sanchez was good, I had Afro. So, him, but in all, in all seriousness, um, just to just to, <laughs> just to um, have more Sammy. like players that are just gonna work half for the team and just grow. Like, Moy said, like, forget trying to sign older players, let's build in younger players who we can like invest in mm. and then possibly like a, like if it were to be sold having some sort of a lot of money to like do the same system again if you look at his time at Everton I know it was quite some time ago but look at time at Everton Leighton Baines became a future England international mm-hmm. John Stones he got it from Barnsley became a future mm-hmm. England international mm-hmm. Jagielka from Sheffield United if I'm, if I'm correct in saying became a England international mm-hmm. Coleman Irish but yeah, Coleman yeah. I mean and then you had the signings like Fellaini and then Cahill, Cahill and mm-hmm. Stephen Pina, you know, mm-hmm. these sort of signers as well. Nate Smith was another. And we sort of seen it. come through as well. Yeah, and we sort of seen it with Thomas Kusek. I think he's very similar to Fellaini. So we're sort of seeing he's trying to do his bit of right. Carter Blanc at the club. So yeah. that sort of thing, if he's given the back end by the board, I feel like he can replicate at West Ham. And the time, right? Yeah. I mean, the key about his time yeah. at Everton was he was there for, it was yeah. 13? No, yeah. it wasn't 13 years. Was it, was it seven years? Uh, it'd be 2013, oh, I think. Yeah. 13. Was when he left to go to United. Oh no, no! I mean, I think he was there for thirteen yeah. years. For thirteen years, yeah. yeah. I think so. No, I think I think it was thirteen. Yeah, yeah. It popped into my head. Yeah. It felt okay. wrong when I said it, yeah. but I think it. I think Don't it doubt is, yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't I, did, yeah. So I already have yeah. doubted myself. All about the confidence. Yeah. Yeah. All about the confidence. It will be seven. Yeah. seven now. Yeah. No, no, like, but he was there for a very long time. Yeah, no, 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 no. Had the time to develop those sorts of institutions, right? And the thing is, I know West Ham fans like make a lot of reference to like you know Moyes' win percentage wasn't really great during his first ball in charge, but. It was encouraging towards the end of the season. Like it was encouraging the progress he was making. I mean, he made an Altovich a striker. That was probably the best thing you've done at the club. Mm. And then when you brought in Pellegrini, you're thinking like, Moyes definitely could have done better than what, right. what Pellegrini was, or even on par with what Pellegrini was able to do, considering he was on so much money as well. So, yeah, I'm hoping the board will back him because, like I said, like, I thought he can, he can do a good job at West Ham. He's a good recruiter. So, um, for people who haven't read it already, there's a chapter in Mike Calvin's Living on the Volcano which deals with the way Moyes used to recruit at Everton. Like, it's like he had a little sort of battle room within, um, within Finch Farm where he would not only sort of list targets, but he would list targets 
in sort of two or three years out. So you'd say, right, well, uh, Dimitar Belyatinov was going to be available in, you know, 2000 X. That guy was, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. He was great. It's because no one could pronounce his name. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, yeah. Yeah, Billy. Yeah. 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 That one. Yeah, that guy. Okay. So he would say, right, well, you know, we want to be looking at this guy in, in 2007 because his contract situation is going to be X yeah. and he will be at the right age to do this for our side. So obviously like, you know, over the 10 years has passed now and the time has changed and the market's changed, the nature of the game has changed and West Ham's finances are different to what they were. Of course they were. However, giving someone like Moyes that level of control is, like Rosh just said, it, it's not only kind of um, indicative of, of what you want him to be in terms of like giving him a, a good degree of permanence, but also you're saying, right, you are going to build this team on the base of what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. If that involves like Fellaini type players, yeah. then that's that's fine because that's what your manager is comfortable with. You can't get a manager like David Moyes and, and say, right, well, I, you know, I, I kind of want you to coach like Roberto Martinez because mm-hmm. you can't do yeah. it. Exactly, yeah. You can't do it, and you, you can't you can't equip him to do it because that's going to go. I mean, that's not only going to go wrong, but it's going to be very costly as well because right. you're going to devalue a lot of players in the, in yeah. the process and waste a lot of money. So you embrace the situation. You embrace yeah. the situation, and if if David Moyes is your guy, David Moyes is your guy, and you take all the qualities that he represents. I mean. Like we can argue about what those are, but that's the principle you have to work under. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he knows what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is relegation a real fear for you? Well, I was gonna say if the worst case scenario happens where West Ham get relegated, mm-hmm. I still feel like Morris can do a job to get West Ham right. out of yeah, the league. That was gonna be my second yeah. question. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a, I covered the under twenty threes. I've some really good players. I mean, we have Nathan Holland currently on loan at Oxford United. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Anthony Scully, like really good young striker. Connor Coventry, where where is Connor he? Connor Coventry, he's currently on loan at Lincoln City. Right. But he's really good. He's a good player. Really, yeah. really good player. Okay. And do you get the sense from the club that if they were to be relegated, that sticking with Moyes would be something that they would be comfortable doing? I mean, in my opinion, it would be foolish to get rid of Moyes. Yeah. If if they were to suffer relegation to the championship, wouldn't rule out them out. Oh yeah, I wouldn't rule out. But I think it was stupid because you can't keep doing the managerial change like yeah. every five minutes. It's just yeah. it's not going to work. You just stick with Moyes. I mean, if they stuck with Moyes last time, West Ham right. probably would have been high up the table. Yeah, right. Just possibly thinking about it now. So, I mean, no one wants to have relegation because I mean, for me personally, I'm not really, I'm not trying to go like Wigan and you know Huddersfield, <laughs> Rotherham and all these sort of places. You know what I mean? The only good thing I can think of. Oh my mate, my reviews on, on TripAdvisor for these hotels are oh, well, that'll be something. But the only good thing I can think what about somebody for, think of Yeah, you know what I mean? The only good thing I can think about for relegation would be playing Millwall. That's the only good thing I can think about. Sure. Yeah. Playing Millwall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only positive thing I can think it's about. It's even but, closer to your house than yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. But yeah, fans <laughs> are just hopeful that like, we can just stay stay in the league and just just yeah. build on next season because some fans think, you know, if we get relegated, you know, we could, you know, rebuild like like Southampton did previously when they were relegated and like Wolves when they were relegated. Mm. But I always say the fans think, if we get relegated, we could do a Sunderland mm. and yeah. go to League One. Yeah. And the thing is, when you think about the championship, it's so competitive. Like for me, bar in the Premier League is one of my favourite like leagues to watch. Like I really yeah. love watching it. And it's not guaranteed you're going to get promoted if you suffer relegation at the first time. Yeah. You have no like the right to think, oh yeah, we'll get up. Look at Leeds, they've been... You know what I mean? Oh, it's, so, so. Rush, like, it's, it's almost like you have to, when you go down now, like you have to have like five years of dysfunction. Yeah. It's like a, you have to be cleansed by it. Like it's almost like the days of kind of Charlton bouncing between the leagues and West Brom. I, I think that's kind of over. I mean, I know West Brom are probably going to come up, but I think, yeah. I think, I think the template is 
hopefully not Sunderland because that's a little bit too dramatic but sides like Swansea yeah. you go yeah. down you've got all these players on massive contracts that you have to kind yeah. of bleed yeah. out yeah. somehow and you have to deal with that and then you have the small squad and you know then your fans hate you and your owners and you know that, yeah. so there's all these little phases yeah. That, yeah. Uh, West Ham I th- honestly I think West Ham going down would be a disaster yeah. but they could get their wish the owners could sell if they get relegated yeah. the kids think like you know what been over 10 years fans yeah. really like us too much like I suppose Ashley I mean I'm not comparing West Ham's owners to Mike Ashley but that was always the logic with him though yeah. wasn't it that you know relegation is yeah, asset decrease in values and he'd yeah. go and it was I, I, I mean no one deserves to be yeah. compared to Mike Ashley but um, <laughs> you know. okay well we began this by talking about 10 years at this point I would like to say incidentally the, the, the article that we referenced at the, the head of the show a piece you wrote alongside Ollie Kay about the last 10 years is very worth reading. Mm. If you would like to do so, yep. you can visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO, get a seven-day free trial, read that, and then bail. No, don't bail. Uh, get 50% <laughs> off an annual subscription. Do you know how much that works out to be per day? 6p. It's 8p. I, I ask you every week. Give it you, like, you, okay, it's I, 8p. I feel like if I... I mean, I... I did not intentionally get it wrong. I I always forget, but I remember. I and nearly every time I'm too high, so I just thought. Sure. And also, yeah, we, we kind enough. of creates this nice little. It does improvised. It's spirit. a great piece, though, isn't it? Yeah, oh. it sure. Is. Well, there's another one that you wrote a couple, back. Of, a couple yeah. of weeks before that. Sort of, there's a it's a whole load of really solid West Ham coverage on yeah. Athletic at the moment. So it's I really good. Appreciate it. As, I'm not yeah. a West Ham fan. I tend not to follow it. So I was reading some of Ross's stuff for the first time today, and I was surprised how good it is. I'm a <laughs> fan. I, I, I read it with a smirk, but yeah. I still enjoy what I read. Yeah. Like, and also, <laughs> if you're trying to think, where on earth is Florian Madishui? I interviewed him so you can read that as well yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. just a little, just little plug there uh, we'll do that um, but anyway uh, oh yeah did I say the URL yep. I did didn't I yep. I'll say it one more time it's uh, uh, athletic.co.uk forward slash TFO 7 day free trial 50% off financial subscription 8 pence per day uh, 10 years later presumably we agree that West Ham as a result of their financial situation their support and etc should not be in the situation that they yep. are currently in right uh realistically let's say that uh, the club isn't relegated this year yeah. what can we and I will ask you both this what can we expect hypothetically to see from West Ham were things to go to go well is it really realistic that they can break into the top four? Oh, well, who wants to go first you go first you go first I don't think the club should well just say oh, top four I think that's been unrealistic I'll say try and build like a few top top half finishes, yes. right. like top ten. Mm-hmm. Have that and then build on from then. Build on from there rather, because okay. I feel like that is realistic. Top top end Europa League, maybe. Yeah, maybe like eighth place, ninth mm-hmm. place every now and then. Because yeah. look, last season I think I'm right in saying Leicester and West Ham finish on eighth or ninth, but they finished level on same level on points. Mm-hmm. Leicester, I've gone this up here. Yeah. West Ham have gone the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Just the blueprint. The blueprint yeah. is there. Yeah, blueprint right. is there. Just yeah, just try building for a top ten yeah. finish and then go from there. Really. Okay. I think um, first thing I, I think one of the issues has to be culture. I think a couple of things really need to change West Ham. So, um, firstly, uh, needs to be less noise, fewer columns, definitely. More noise in the stadium, though. More, more noise yeah. in the stadium, but yeah. I, like, I completely agree with what Ross said in that you need to have an era of stability. You need ten years of finishing tenth. Yeah. Because you can take the benefits of being, um, uh, you know, a, a, a solid, reliable Premier League side. And also, mm. I think one of the most revealing things in the last few days was, um, see, um, around well, whilst Jared Bowen's transfer was being completed, a lot of information was leaking out about his, his contract negotiations. And apparently um, he was, one of the, two of the points of contention were 
Um, he didn't want to accept a 50% wage drop in um, case West Ham got relegated. And also he wanted to work a relegation release clause, which not, I, I don't know. Well, I don't have no idea what's in this contract. But if those, are, if those two things are true, they tell you a little bit something, a, li- a little bit about um, how players view West Ham is that you are not a stable environment. Things can go wrong. Yeah. Part of that is informed by the league table, of course, because no one's yeah. stupid. But yeah. um, part of that is informed by the history and that this is a place of calamity. Um, ultimately, West Ham are not going back to Upton Park. Can't happen. So you've got to make the most of what is still like a 94-year lease, I think. Now. Yeah. Um, goodness me. <laughs> so you need to kind of, you need to, you need to make West Ham a less of a um, nebulous concept because at the moment West Ham doesn't stand for anything it's the club where uh, executives talk about being better than Tottenham and finishing in the Champions League places mm. uh, maybe they can supersede Spurs but they're not going to finish in the Champions League places not in the current sort of mini era but also you have to create some sort of touch point and if that is players that the fans respond positively to or players who they watch you know if it's a team full of Robert Snodgrasses I not the best kind of footballer, maybe, or an Antonio. I, I think Antonio is a great example, like someone that you want to go and see, and someone that has a bit of personality, mm-hmm. someone who isn't transient. You don't like fewer Yarmolenkos because Yarmolenko's there because he's not quite good enough to play anywhere else in the Premier League, any any higher up the Premier League at this point yeah. in his career. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think Yarmolenko's done something to you personally. So that's really a different podcast though. Like, I can't do that for an hour and a half. Like, I just, you know what, you know what it is? I'm bitter because I wanted to see him in his prime. Yeah. I wanted to see him here when he was 25 years old because he was such a fun player and I've never, I want to say never forgiven him for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, you know, so my point being is like, I want, um, no, Declan Rice, good example. Mark yeah. Noble, good example. Antonio, a great example. Mm. Aaron Kressel, Rush brought him yeah. up earlier. Really good example. It's good players. You need yeah. these players and you need a hub of players <laughs> that are going to develop and yeah. grow into something. Yeah. Not players who are there for two years before something better comes along for them. Yeah. That's, that's, start, that's the start point. And I lastly, think. I also want to see West Ham take uh, cup competition is very yes. serious. Yes, 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 exactly. I, mean, I have yeah. a seat in my wardrobe. I want to wear it to Wembley. Yeah, not too distant yeah. future. So that's just what, like, because I remember the um, Oxford game. That was very bad. I right. mean, the four 0 Yeah, the four yeah. 0 That was very bad. You're thinking like fans travel so far to get here. Like the team couldn't even score a goal. Like you mm. want to see West Ham take that seriously the cups because we're not going to win the league. I mean, we would love to win yeah. the league, but that's not going to happen. So whether it's opportunities, the, though, yeah, whether it's the Capital One Cup or the FA Cup. Well, personally, I love it to be the FA Cup. Just take it seriously because. Mm. Carabao yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. The green energy drink yeah. cup. <laughs> yeah, that's know, yeah. With all its yeah. credibility yeah. and its gravity. Yeah, that's what I want to see. That's, that's right. Like, this is one of the problems of modern fandom, though, isn't it? Because it's like there's so many, there's what? Every other club in the Premier League, apart from maybe three, no, it's absolutely impossible for them to win it. Yeah. So if you if you're if you're taking the domestic cups the, off the table. Many nights I do haven't quite worked yeah, exactly. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different pod, different, yeah, pod. different podcast. Sorry. But like, you know, if you're if you're a fan, why are you going? What is you, like if you think about the relationship between fandom and aspiration, and you're saying, right, well, we're not, we we want to get our domestic cups as soon as possible yeah. because that helps us survive or it helps us reach it's that one hundred and forty yeah. million pounds kind of, Premier League broadcast. Yeah. I understand right? the logic behind it, yeah. but you've got to, as an owner, there has you have to temper that with a recognition of what it is people want to see. Like people want to be enthused by their football team. They don't yeah. want to see a, a joyless grind to fourteenth. 
That doesn't appeal yeah. to people. Mm-hmm. And it definitely doesn't if you've got a 60,000 seater yeah. stadium. Well, also as an owner or owners who self-proclaimed aren't running a business and are running a football club that they love, right? Presumably, yeah. cup competitions would be important as a, as a part of that. For yeah. sure. Because sure. you can't just like, aspire to be in the league every season. Exactly. Something yeah. you, you want to have like something to look forward to. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if the Carabao, the Carabao Cup finals, what, end of this month or early 20, March, I think it is? Last week of February, yeah. I think. So, well, let's just say, like, in an ideal world, West Ham are facing Man City in the final. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the, the league form is very bad right now. But West Ham fans have something to look forward to. Yeah. Like, ideally, that would that was a scenario. So, yeah, that's yeah. why... May yeah, also I mean, inspire better league performances as yeah, well, right? exactly. If there's momentum there. Exactly. I just think it's healthier. Yeah. Like, if you... It's also a selling point. Like, it's a recruiting <clears throat> tool, ultimately. Because, like, okay, so... Villa are in issues at the moment, but Villa have got to domestic cup final. Now, if you're if you're going out in the summer on the basis that they survive, isn't it easier to yeah. recruit a different, a, a sort of a to attract to have a broader range of options as a result of appearing at Wembley, yeah. like in yeah. a kind of visible final? Even if it is, I know the League Cup is not the FA Cup final or the Champions League final, but it's still a big deal to play it. Yeah. It's still a like a marquee day within their career. And obviously, it? West Ham will have more tickets to sell for the stadium tour. Because he can show the cup to yeah, um, absolutely, you know. absolutely. <laughs> you know I mean? Hey, it's a cup. Yeah, it's a cup we didn't even get into the final rush. Yeah. <laughs> Winning the final, like, see, the, the, the trend in British football is like getting to finals now, like the reward, and then you get done five 0 by Man City, yeah. and then, then then everyone, you know, then, then you get to play Europe League football. But yeah. I don't know, win. Yeah. No. I don't. I don't have any aspiration as a fan anymore. So no, clearly, what it's done to me. Okay, listen, Roshane Thomas, thanks so much for coming in, man. Really appreciate it. appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Seb, thanks for being here. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and we'll be back next week with something uh, something else which is similar to this. Don't know what it is. Uh, thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.